Hello, my rebels. A uh, huge story in post media, and got to give him credit where it's due. Uh, Justin Trudeau and his military have been spying on Canadians. Now, Trudeau says he knows nothing about it. Is that a fact? What kind of spying were they doing? What were they doing with the spying? Were they engaging in propaganda? What do they mean by an information operation in a domestic concept? That's weird language. I'll take you through the story in the post. And um, we, are, we already know that they spy on Rebel News. We've found the military contractor at University of Arkansas who they paid to spy on us. So this just gets creepier by the moment. We'll take you through it while I got you. Let me invite you to subscribe to Rebel News Plus. That's the TV version of this podcast. It's eight bucks a month. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. The benefit to you is my show every day, Sheila Gunn-Reed, David Menzies, and Andrew Chapinos every week, plus the knowledge that you're helping keep Rebel News independent. We don't take a dime from Trudeau, and we never will. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, why is Trudeau deploying the Canadian Armed Forces against our citizens to promote his political agenda? It's September 27th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Important story in the National Post today, the Canadian Armed Forces conducted an information operation against Canadian citizens last year in support of Trudeau's lockdown message. It was a psychological manipulation of our own people. Now, this is, this is shocking, but it's totally in keeping with Trudeau's authoritarian stance. It's what you'd expect from a military in an authoritarian regime, say, like uh, China. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime. We've seen armed forces being used in Australia recently with their lockdowns, armed with guns in the streets to intimidate and terrify. Take a look at this, a strange ambush. Oh my god! 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 Oh my in that case, Australia, against foreign aggressors now being used to intimidate Australian citizens peacefully protesting. So outrageous. The police are atrocious down there enough. I mean, look at this. Earlier on, we to move on and he's, he's returning. So. He lives 500 meters that way. Yeah, when you guys are hexed out, it's going to be really awkward. I'm not going to argue with you. So, what, okay, can I ask what he's been arrested Watch me. So, Watch me so what? Let me come over here and I'll No, I'm fine here. Thank you. You can explain it here. What's happened earlier on is we've, we've seen your friend. You've explained that. It's not necessary. And we've given her a direction to move on. I understand and not that. Return. 
He's not returning his own. He lives. He lives a block away. Yeah, but he has no. So what do you mean? He has no reason to be here. He doesn't have a valid reason to be out today. He wasn't wearing a face mask. Hold on. He has a face mask in his pocket. He was just smoking a cigarette. He just he, came to get lunch with me. Oh, what do you mean? I've been living here this whole time. What do you mean? Can you record this, please? Currently under arrest for breaching the chief health officer's door. I live with him. I live 200 metres up the road. We're all going for a walk. I've gone to meet my friends, which I told your friends I before. I literally have food in my hand. She's going to get a kebab, we're going for a walk. And the reason I didn't have a mask on because I was having a cigarette. I've got two masks in my pocket. Like, what else do you want me to do? Pretty much. That country is so far gone. But how about us? Our own military is conducting exercises against us. At least in Australia, they show their face. Here, they engage in psyops against us, psychological operations. Let me read. Here's the story in the Post. It says, military leaders saw a pandemic as unique opportunity to test propaganda on Canadians, report says. A plan devised by the Canadian Joint Operations Command relied on propaganda techniques similar to those employed during the Afghan war. Testing propaganda on Canadians. Are they still doing that, by the way? That's the thing about propaganda. It often doesn't work as well if you tell people you're doing it. Some propaganda is white propaganda. It's like a public service announcement. You see who's saying it, you can understand why. It's, you know, they're trying to manipulate you, but it's like any other ad. You know who's saying it and why. But gray propaganda, as it's called, is a little bit vague. But you sort of still know what's going on, but black propaganda is the name given to it when you're being tricked. For example, we just now learned from the New York Times, no less, that the January 6th insurrection on Capitol Hill was actually led by FBI informants and undercover agents. That's a kind of propaganda. Do something provocative, but with a hidden hand, a false flag, to cause disrepute to your enemy. Now, you expect that in politics. You just don't usually expect it from the FBI. The FBI seems to do that a lot. They did that in the plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan. That was time to embarrass the Republicans in a key state on the eve of the election. Turns out the entire project was quarterbacked by the FBI, who were manipulating guys in MAGA hats. They were trying to embarrass Trump. It's a kind of black propaganda. Was, what, was that what the armed forces in Canada were doing under Trudeau to discredit the anti-lockdown movement? I, I saw some inauthentic activity myself, and I called it out at the time when this guy, Lamont Daigle, showed up all of a sudden with a corporate logo and professionally produced signs and just declared himself the leader of the anti-lockdownists in Toronto and nationwide. And then he started calling for violence again and again. Who was he? A narc? A fed? A Canadian Armed Forces asset? We tried to figure it out. No, but when we look at this one quote here, trust me when I tell you it is a daily battle to not take someone's car and drive it through the middle of the CBC. Um, I don't know how that falls into the bailiwick of self-defense in any regard. I mean, I'm no fan. I don't think anyone at the Rebel is a fan of the CBC, but I would never advocate a violent act against the CBC or an employee of the CBC. I completely agree with you. And as a matter of fact, it's not just about the CBC, about CTV, City TV, any of these mainstream media that have been lying about the numbers that have been here. Because quite frankly, we've seen up to 10,000 people here. And they're always reporting about 100 people, 200 people, 300 people. So they're lying to the people. They've been lying to us for seven months. And personally, not the line Canada, but personally, I'm fed up with them. And I can have ideas in my mind about how I feel about driving a car through the CBC. It's a fantasy in my mind that would never play out in actuality. 
Yeah, is that kind of provocateur disinformation? Is that what the army was doing? And, they, and would they admit to it if they were? We know that Grant Bristow, who ran the Heritage Front, a racist organization that got huge press coverage for years, well, we later learned that he was a CSIS agent, paid by the government not only to gin up racist fears and to commit racism, but also to discredit the newly formed Reform Party. Is that what's happening here again? I'll read from the story in the Post. It's so rare that Trudeau's Post Media, they're the largest recipient of his bailout money in Canada, it's so rare that they do investigations like this. We've got to give them credit when they do. So good for them. Canadian military leaders saw the pandemic as a unique opportunity to test out propaganda techniques on an unsuspecting public, a newly released Canadian Forces report concludes. The federal government never asked for the so-called information operations campaign, nor did cabinet authorize the initiative developed during the COVID-19 pandemic by the Canadian Joint Operations Command, then headed by Lieutenant General Mike Rolo. But military commanders believe they didn't need to get approval from higher authorities to develop and proceed with their plan. Retired Major General Daniel Gosselin, who was brought in to investigate the scheme, concluded in his report. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Trudeau or his PMO staff never asked for this, were never aware of it? Do you believe that Harjit Sajan didn't know? I mean, really, do you think that the Canadian Armed Forces conducted an information operation against Canadian citizens and never ran it up the chain of command first? Do you really believe that? Or is this still part of the propaganda campaign? Let me read some more. The propaganda plan was developed and put in place in April 2020, even though the Canadian forces had already acknowledged that information operations and targeting policies and doctrines are aimed at adversaries and have a limited application in a domestic concept. <laughs> limited? Why would the army being, be used against Canadian citizens at all? I'll read some more. The plan devised by the Canadian Joint Operations Command, also known as C-Joke, that's what I'm going to call them, relied on propaganda techniques similar to those employed during the Afghanistan war. The campaign called for shaping and exploding information. C-Joke claimed the information operation scheme was needed to head off civil disobedience by Canadians during the coronavirus pandemic and to bolster government messaging about the pandemic. A separate initiative not linked to the C-Joke plan, but overseen by Canadian Forces intelligence officers, culled information from public social media accounts in Ontario. Data was also compiled on peaceful Black Lives Matter gatherings and BLM leaders. Senior military officers claimed that information was needed to ensure the success of Operation Laser, the Canadian Forces mission to help out in long-term care homes hit by COVID-19 and to aid in the distribution of vaccines in some northern communities. Really? Is that why they spied on Black Lives Matter? BLM organizers have questioned why military officials gathered information on their initiative, pointing out they followed pandemic rules and did not hold any gatherings outside LTC homes. Well, of course, they broke all the anti-lockdown rules they wanted to because the government doesn't enforce against them. But I wouldn't want the army involved. Hey, who else did the armed forces spy on? I mean, Black Lives Matter really hasn't been involved in the anti-lockdown movement. They've had other protests, but the big sustained anti-lockdown protests in Canada have been more freedom-oriented, not restricted to any one race. Were they spied on? Were we? Were we spied on? I mean, we're active on social media. We cover the lockdown movement. What's Trudeau's government doing about us? Are they spying on us? Uh, spying on us again, I mean. As you might recall, the Canadian Armed Forces has spied on Rebel News before. They hired a military contractor at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock to do a cyber analysis of us. And get this, they claim we're conducting an information operation to get Jagmeet Singh 
elected? I'm serious, that's what they said. They're embarrassingly stupid. But that's not the point. The point is, we know they're spying on us already. They may be stupid spies, but they're spying on us. All right, back to the story in the Post. Gosselin's investigation discovered the plan wasn't simply the idea of passionate military propaganda specialists, but support for the use of such information operations was clearly a mindset that permeated the thinking at many levels of sea joke. Those in the command saw the pandemic as a unique opportunity to test out such techniques on Canadians. Reviews put forth by Rear Admiral Brian Santarpia, then Sea Joke's chief of staff, summed up the command's attitude. Gosselin noted in his report, quote, this is really a learning opportunity for all of us and a chance to start getting information operations into our Canadian Armed Forces Department and National Defense routine, the Rear Admiral stated. The command saw the military's pandemic response, quote, as an opportunity to monitor and collect public information in order to enhance our awareness for better command decision-making, Gosselin determined. Gosselin also pointed out C-Joke staff had a palpable dismissive attitude toward the advice and concerns raised by other military leaders. Okay, so they were spying on people, that's for sure, on political opponents of the government, that's for sure, and they laughed at any concept of oversight or limiting their spying, but did they engage in outward-bound propaganda too? Spying on us is creepy, they're creepy, but what did they do with it? Did they try and meddle with us? Did they try to interfere with us? There's an ongoing debate inside National Defense Headquarters in Ottawa about the use of information operations techniques. Some public affairs officers, intelligence specialists, and senior planners want to expand the scope of such methods in Canada to allow them to better control and shape government information the public receives. Others inside headquarters worry that such operations could lead to abuses, including having military staff intentionally mislead the Canadian public or taking measures to target opposition MPs or those who criticize government or military policy. Did that happen? Did the Canadian forces mislead the public? There's been lots of propaganda about how bad the pandemic is, about how you must be locked down, how you have to give up your rights. Was the Army intelligence involved in that? I mean, they've outright lied before, as the Post notes. Military propaganda training and initiatives within Canada over the last year have proved to be controversial. The Canadian forces had to launch an investigation after a September 2020 incident when military information operations staff forged a letter from the Nova Scotia government warning about wolves on the loose in a particular region of the province. The letter was inadvertently distributed to residents. Yeah, sure it was. Prompting panic calls to Nova Scotia officials who were unaware the military was behind the deception. That's what I mean by black propaganda. People felt manipulated. Um, they didn't know they were being manipulated, though, and they didn't know who was doing it and why. Trudeau was doing it, that's it. I'll read more. Yet another review centered on the Canadian Forces Public Affairs Branch and its activities last year. The branch launched a controversial plan that would have allowed military public affairs officers to use propaganda to change attitudes and behaviors of Canadians, as well as to collect and analyze information from public social media accounts. The plan would have seen staff move from traditional government methods of communicating with the public to a more aggressive strategy of using information warfare and influence tactics on Canadians. Included among those tactics was the use of friendly defense analysts and retired generals to push military PR messages and to criticize on social media those who raise questions about military spending and accountability. So they're not just spying and propagandizing for the good of the country, but they're spying and propagandizing to promote their own interests, their own funding. That's the definition of a deep state. They care about their paychecks and their permanent power. That's what Eisenhower warned about, his military-industrial complex. 
Seriously, how much trust have you lost in police in the last 18 months? For me, it's been catastrophic. A lifetime of support for police has been eroded. How much trust have you lost in, in doctors? A lot for me. They, they're not allowed to speak out, and few would anyways. How about for the media? Well, I had very little to begin with, but now we have to put the military itself into the category of untrustworthy liars, too. And they know it. Several months ago, Acting Chief of Defense Staff Jane, General Wayne Eyre and Department of Nat National Defense Deputy Minister Jody Thomas acknowledged in an internal document that various propaganda initiatives had gotten out of control. Errors conducted during domestic operations and training and sometimes insular mindsets at various echelons have eroded public confidence in the institution, noted a June 9, 2021 message signed by Aaron Thomas. This included the conduct of information operations on a domestic operation without explicit Chief of Defense Staff Deputy Minister direction or authority to do so, as well as the unsanctioned production of reports that appear to be aimed at monitoring the activities of Canadians. Yeah, we don't trust many institutions anymore, do we? But that doesn't really seem to matter to these institutions. I mean, what are you going to do about it, really? Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, uh, if you've been watching the news in the United States, you've been stunned by literally tens of thousands of migrants at the, at the Texas border, many of whom have come from South America. They claim to be Haitian. And tens of thousands gathered under a highway bridge, and they were just let in. It was rather like their own version of Roxham Road. But some estimates put the number at 100,000 who have crossed in recent weeks, the government admitting to at least 12,000 at that one crossing that's been in the news. Well, if you think that the Democrats and the United States is the only country that has open borders, you're missing out what's happening in Canada. I'm not just talking about Roxham Road. Those are illegal migrants. I'm talking about what is considered legal. Look at this bombshell exclusive in the Edmonton Sun by our friend Lauren Gunter. The headline is, Liberals to make immigration to Canada much easier. And it discloses an internal memo instructing all the immigration judges in Canada to basically take any woke claim as a reason to admit someone who wants to come to our country. Joining us now via Skype from Edmonton is Lauren Gunter, who will take us through it. Lauren, amazing scoop, uh, good for you. Tell us, what was this email, this internal email, who was it sent by, and what does it mean? It was sent by Richard Wex, who is the uh, chairperson and CEO of the Immigration and Refugee Appeal Board System. So uh, it's semi-detached from the Immigration Department. Uh, it's not quite as independent as, as a lot of judiciaries are. Uh, and Wex uh, has sent out uh, a new chairman's directive uh, so this doesn't even debate it in Parliament. This hasn't gone to Cabinet, although I suspect that the appropriate Cabinet ministers know about it. And uh, it says that if you have uh, intersectionality or trauma, and I'll get to intersectionality in a second, if you have either of these two, then you don't have to have 
what would be traditionally called a, a, a convention refugee definition. You don't have to be someone who's seen as a refugee by the United Nations. Even. And of course, the United Nations has a very broad definition of what, what makes a, a refugee. But basically, up until now, you have to have shown to an immigration officer or then failing the immigration officer's decision, you don't like the immigration officer's decision, you have to then show to an immigration or refugee judge. You had to show them that you were under threat of torture, imprisonment, or death if you were sent back to the country that you come from. Now, you merely have to assert that it is your perception that you have one or more uh, intersectionality claims. So uh, age, uh, sexual orientation, gender, uh, political view, uh, indigeneity, which was a word that I, it does exist, but I didn't know it existed until I got a hold of this uh, memo the other day. Uh, there's a whole long list, and as you said in the introduction, of these woke reasons why you should be admitted to Canada. And uh, basically, uh, it, it makes useless the entire screening system that we have, whether it's at the bureaucratic level where the officers first look at an application or at the, the semi-judicial level, the, the, these immigration adjudicators and refugee adjudicators. Uh, it makes it basically useless for them to do anything because who won't uh, off of this long list of politically correct definitions, who won't be able to find two that they qualify for? You know, I was reading your article, and one of the incredible facts that I did not know was that there are actually, you know, there's there's about 300 of these adjudicators across Canada, and a couple dozen of them have a 100% acceptance rate. That is, they have literally never said to someone, well, I'm not sure if you're a refugee. I mean, what's the point? Let me. By the way, I want to read to people what the United Nations definition is of a refugee. It's not open doors. I got it here on my phone. It's a person who has fled his country because they have a well-founded fear of persecution on a particular list of grounds, race, religion, nationality. We're friends with a refugee uh, lawyer named Giddy Mammon who said that someone whose husband was killed in Lebanon through a terrorist attack, she wanted to come here as a refugee and she was turned down because the immigration board said, well, it's terrible what happened to your husband, but you do not have a well-founded fear of persecution. I mean, that sounded maybe a little harsh to me, but that is, well, do you have a fear of persecution or not? And is it well-founded, to use the UN words? What you're saying is they're just absolutely doing away with any litmus test, and anyone who get, manages to make their way here Therein, that's what I'm hearing here. Am I yeah, wrong? Basically, I think that's basically it, and that's what I said in 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 my piece today. Is that as long as you can make it here, uh, it's very very difficult now. It will become very very difficult for you to be removed. It's already fairly the the uh, median uh, approval rate uh, when it gets to the the judicial level for people to be allowed to stay here is about seventy percent. So. About 70% of the thousands of appeals that go to one of the adjudicators every year, about 70% are accepted. Um, but the, and the adjudicators have varying degrees of, of uh, acceptance. Uh, there's, there are a couple who only accepted about 4% of the people before them. 
And there are others who, as you correctly said, 22 out of about 320 uh, who accepted 100 percent. Didn't matter what the case evidence was, didn't matter whether or not there was a, uh, a legitimate reason to accept. I, I think most of them who are liberal appointees were simply there because having formerly been immigration advisors or immigration lawyers working on behalf of claimants, uh, they just think everyone should be allowed. And, and I think that's basically the system we're coming at. The, the, as I said, about 70% of claims that make it to the adjudicators are, are accepted. I mean, adjudicators sit and they listen to evidence the way a judge would in a, in, in a superior court. Uh, you have to be able to prove to some extent that your insistence that you be under threat of imprisonment, torture, or death if you were sent back was legitimate. But now, one was very, very interesting. It says, were you perceived to be gay in your own country? And is that perception that you're gay leading to you being discriminated against? And if your answer is yes, and there wasn't much proof needed, you simply needed to say yes, I was perceived to be gay, uh, and that was that was making me uh, it was making my life dangerous. Uh, and, and you're in. Hmm. You know, uh, a couple years ago, before the pandemic really pushed every other issue aside, the Liberals came out with a new immigration plan that over three years will bring in more than one million new Canadians, and not quite a majority of those were either family reunification or refugees. So barely half of them would be folks who would be working and we hear well we need more right. workers but of this million hundreds of thousands would not be workers they would be folks who would be you know in the wagon not yeah. helping to pull the wagon and i i just want to read one line from your essay this is how the liberals intend to turn 300,000 or so immigrants a year into 400,000 almost overnight i think that's true i think and what, what gets me, Lauren, is that of the five parties that were in the official leaders' debates, all five of them seem to agree with these stats. Maybe the Bloc Québécois wants only French-speaking migrants, but, but the Conservatives and the Liberals, there is no difference of opinion between them on immigration. Am I wrong? No, I think that's true. I, I, I think largely this is one of those settled debates, like... Uh, climate change and assault weapons and huge expansion of government is that there there really is no party left that is taking a firm it doesn't have to be a hard line just a firmer line on this to say hey let's let's enforce the rules as they exist those rules exist for two reasons a to allow legitimate refugees and immigrants into the country and b keep illegitimate ones out because who knows what they may be. It might only simply be that they want to come in because we have really good health care and welfare. Or it might be because they want to uh, see if, if they can't radicalize um, first and second generation Muslim youth in the country. I mean, there, there are a whole bunch of security reasons why you would want to keep undesirable people out of the country because once they're in, they're very difficult to remove. Yeah. Uh, but I think the Liberals don't see any of that. They don't see uh, any particular threat from anyone coming into the country. And so they're just throwing the doors wide open. And you can bet that a lot of those people who are hanging out under the Del Rio Bridge 
in Texas over the last couple of weeks will eventually get word that all you need to do is show up in Canada and and claim that you are being persecuted at home and presto, in you go, or, or that you would be poor if you were at home. So, yeah. you know, an awful lot of people, if they really were Haitians sitting under the bridge in Del Rio, Texas, uh, and there have been lots of reasons, storms and political ineptitude and corruption that have made most Haitians poor, that would be one of the things you would just claim to claim. I'm poor if I go home. Here I have a chance. And that would be enough. Well, and once you get into the U.S. and, and they've acknowledged that they've allowed in a great number, if you're Haitian, odds are French is your first language, obviously. It's the language they speak. And there's a large Haitian community in Quebec, in Montreal in particular. So if you get across the border in Texas, sure, you could hang out in America. It's a wonderful country, and they're not going to deport you anytime soon under Joe Biden. But maybe you make your way to New York, cross over in Roxham Road, and now you're with one of the largest expat Haitian communities in the world. Canada will never deport you. You have more generous welfare and, and uh, other social service benefits than they have in the States. It wouldn't surprise me if we see an uptick in migrants at Roxham Road that Biden yeah. brought in. I wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all. Under Donald yeah. Trump, these were people who were self-deporting. Many of the people who came across the border were going to be sent home by Trump if they didn't crash here. Wouldn't surprise me if we see something similar. Last word to you. Uh, I, I want to praise uh, the Edmonton Sun for running this article because uh, it, you're not allowed to criticize open borders immigration in many forums anymore. I think that this is one of those things where all the official establishment, all the institutions, all the fancy people and polite people are all agreed, open borders forever. But if you look at any poll, most Canadians of every party background and every region have the opposite point of view. So I'm glad you wrote this. I'm worried that we won't even be able to talk about this for very long. Am I, am I being too much of a um, pessimist on that? I, I don't think we'll be shut up anytime soon, but I do think that you look at like Bill C-10 and Bill C-36, the two internet regulation bills that the Liberals had on the order paper before they called the election and everything was dissolved. Laws like that could eventually be used, as you well know, because of your your excellent history with the Canadian Human Rights Commission. Bills like that certainly can be used by activist organizations to shut up their opponents. And uh, not just one, but several free speech and internet access groups in Canada have said that were C-10 and C-36 to be reintroduced in some form, they would, uh, they would amount to among the most restrictive free speech rules of any democracy in the world. And so, yes, it's possible that it's going to get to be more and more difficult to talk about these things. And, but the good news is that not it only did this uh, story that I wrote appear in the Edmonton Sun, it appears in all of the Sun newspapers today across the country. So uh, we, several hundred thousand, perhaps over a million people will get to see it. Well, I'm very glad, and I thank you for doing it. I congratulate you on the scoop. For those who haven't read it yet, may I encourage you to go to the link. It's called Liberals to Make Immigration to Canada Much Easier. And Lauren Gunter broke the news in the Edmonton Sun and, as we just heard, across the Post Media Network. Thanks, my friend. Good luck, and keep up the great journalism. Hey, thank you.
There you have it, Lauren Gunter. Stay with us more ahead. Hey, welcome back on my show on Friday. Dan writes, now the question is, will Canada make a deal with Huawei for the 5G network here? Yeah, well, I mean, as you no doubt saw, after we finished our show, uh, the two Michaels were indeed released, and Trudeau jetted to be there when they landed, and he had a carefully posed photo up. He rolled up his sleeves, and he, he was there for the photo op, the man who did so little for these two men over the last thousand days. He was there to take all the credit. And really, what did they know differently? They didn't know who did nothing for them and who did something for them. Um, now that our hostages are out, we should be unraveling, unhooking, disconnecting from China the 100,000 sons and daughters of Chinese comedy, Communist Party officials who go to school in Canada should be sent home. Chinese scholars who are really here as industrial spies should be sent home. I think we should slowly withdraw our own diplomats from various consulates around China, turn off the taps and just disconnect. Obviously, Huawei should be banned. Medicine Line writes, I am double vaxxed. If I enter an establishment and I ask about my status, I turn around and walk out the door. Will not indulge in this brand of privilege. I will be watching for the we won't ask businesses. I'm glad to hear that. It's going to be tough. I mean, for example, if you can, in Ontario, eat on a patio but not inside, that might be nice for the summer, but how does that work in the winter? I don't know. I'm worried that there will be a snobbery, sort of like any exclusive loyalty card. I mean, I see it in, we see it everywhere. I mean, um, I'm an insider, you're an outsider. Will the 50, 60, 70% of Canadians who are vaxxed, will they look down their noses at the unvaxxed? Will they say, well, I did it, so should you. I really think that the mask conditioning was training for the vax conditioning. And a lot of people will lord it over others and use it to scold others. Ken writes, it shouldn't be up to businesses to enforce illegal vaccine passports and mandates. Yeah, well, it's the government basically passing the worst of the work onto the private sector, isn't it? make them informants and scolds and snitches. Um, folks, I want to do something a little different today. Normally I'd say goodbye now, but we have so much great work out there uh, on video. We have more reporters than ever. So instead of saying goodbye now, which I normally do after reading letters, going forward, starting now, I want to pick almost at random a video from the Rebel News Network that um, you may not have come across. And I want to end the show every day by selecting such a video and just tacking it on to the end. So we'll have my monologue every day, we'll have the guest interview, we'll read the letters, and instead of saying goodbye, we'll say goodbye but throw to a video. You don't have to watch it if you don't want to, maybe you've seen it already, but every day we're gonna do it. And today, we've got a video by Avi on Black Lives Matter, a Black Lives Matter protester who was mad at the Australian freedom protesters. So I thought it was an interesting video. So I'll say goodbye to you now and I'll leave you with Avi Yamini on the streets of Melbourne. See you later. So you're an indigenous man? Yeah, born and bred. So what you're saying is Black Lives Matter can protest because that protest matters and this one can't. I'll give you a simple reason why this is Aboriginal land, all right? The country itself, it's all of our land. It's not just one of us, it's all of us. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, we're all Australian here. Yeah? I don't, I don't know why the government's trying to push us back, man.
It's like they've deployed the military on us. Um, where was this when Black Lives Matter was protesting? What, what about all the climate uh, fighting uh, protests? But when you protest against the, uh, the harsh government restrictions, it's, uh, it's war. Uh, why me? I'm here to report. Did you feel this way about Black Lives Matter? Black Lives Matter? Did you, did you have a problem? COVID-19 wasn't going to stop this anti-racism rally. They were, mar they were marching during uh, COVID. Did you have a problem with that? Were they wankers? If I get sick and die, I get sick and die. Sooner or later, you've got to leave the world. COVID-19 wasn't their main concern. I did weigh that up. This is a much bigger problem than a few hundred people dying from coronavirus. This has been going on for 250 years, oppression. We weren't putting our people, endangering people's lives. I wasn't at the other protesters because I thought a bit of stupidity there, but this one, I support it. Because workers, they got to feed their family, trade lives. They're bloody essential to, to us in this world. Without them, we wouldn't have these buildings, wouldn't have these roads, wouldn't even have our own houses, I reckon. Guys, uh, your Premier has said today that violence will not beat the virus. What are you doing? Fuck you. Brother, we're not here for violence. No violence. Why do you think that they're deploying armoured vehicles and, you know, counter-terrorism units against uh, peaceful protesters just marching now, but last year at Black Lives Matter, they didn't even bother stepping in? I think because it's a social social thing. Because we're standing up and saying our word against them, we're, we're the rioters, we're, we're, the, we're the evil ones on this one. This is a diverse group. I mean, if, if they're really about diversity, here you are. Yesterday was even more diverse. You know what I mean? It's just they're reaching and reaching and they're running out of ideas. I don't even know who they are. They're not from our industry. I've called professional protesters. I've been told there's been Nazi groups, extreme right-wing groups, all sorts of groups there. How do you feel about uh, the union bosses claiming that there are no new union members? Or I think they've kind of shifted yesterday since Rebel News it's exposed no them. He's got no idea. It seemed like some of the people guarding the CFMEU office, they didn't seem like members. They weren't fucking union members, mate. I'd like to know who they really are, eh? What is he doing up in there with our fucking Jews? With what? With our Jews, our fucking weekly pay. Oh, yeah, I thought you were talking about oh, my, no, kind, no, my no, kind of no. Jew and we we're going to have a problem. <laughs> Shut every corona restriction and mandate down. Return to normal immediately. That's it. On the first day of the two-week shutdown of the construction industry, there was the biggest earthquake we've had since 1966. Do you reckon that's sort of a sign? The, 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 the universe, the powers are trying to say something? Well, a volcano erupts and then an earthquake in Australia over 50 years. It's got to be something, doesn't it? It could be well, climate change. Victoria needs help. We're Scott Morrison and we need help. ScoMo's actually just landed in America. We're not allowed to travel anywhere, but ScoMo is gone to travel to have a conversation with this guy that doesn't remember his name. Mate, I own a business, I can work from home, I'm easy, I live a comfortable life. I'm here watching these guys who've had their fucking jobs taken away from them. We're free people! We were born free! We have the right to live free! And we shall die free! No one can take that away from us! No one! Not Andrews, not any government! People, wake up! Get out of here and support your people! Otherwise, we're all gone!